0: Hello, and welcome to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is your one stop shop for all things nutrition, fitness, and mindset. Our goal is to help you make fitness and nutrition a part of your life, not your whole life. We discuss a variety of topics, including faith, self awareness, sustainability, and consistency training programs, grocery store navigation, and how to enjoy your favorite foods without guilt or remorse. There is a lot of noise out there in the world of health and fitness, so we're here to provide real, reliable, and practical answers and recommendations that will keep you moving forward on your journey. My wife Ashley and I are your hosts, and please do not hesitate to reach out on social media to say hello, ask questions, or comment on this week's episode. So, without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back. This is episode 116, and today we have a special guest on the show. Today we have Christian Williams with us, and I'm going to give Christian a moment here to explain a little bit about who he is, what he does, and why he does it, in case you're not familiar with Christian. So Christian, go ahead and take it away.
1: Yeah, thank you, Derek. Hi, everybody listening. Uh, My name is Christian Williams. I'm from originally Western PA, but now live uh, in rural Central PA with my wife and a new dog. I am the owner of a company called Archery Strong. And in a nutshell... I apply sports performance and sports injury approaches, training protocol to archery. Um, So I I sometimes describe it where a lot of sports now or most sports now take it baseball, volleyball, uh, golf, often have training outside of the actual sport itself that then this training supports the sport when you are in the sport and competing and performing. Uh, in the same approach is what I've taken to archery.
0: Love that. Uh, Very, uh, very concise. You must uh, recite that quite a bit.
1: (laughs) Well, I, I was, I didn't tell you before we started here, but I tend to get really long winded and I know it'll show up uh, here as we talk, but uh, I wanted to make that pretty straight to the point so that we could uh, keep diving in.
0: I <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. And I, I love long winded conversations. So I'm all about it either yeah, way. You'll, you'll on... get <laughs> oh, okay. Awesome. So, uh, before we dive into the intricacies of archery strong, like just start off, tell us a little bit about like what's obviously your passion, right? With hunting specifically archery. And when did that start? How did that start kind of take us through that the beginning of this whole journey?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, here goes my long windedness. Um, so I was blessed to be brought up and and to be raised by a dad who introduced me to the outdoors, um, hiking, hunting, fishing, camping, everything that we think of as the outdoors. And, um, that, that introduction was important to me and, and certainly set me up for today meaning present time, but I didn't become extremely passionate about archery and more specifically hunting um, until, until like my first few years in college, I bounced around with a lot of different things, uh, found fitness at an early age, uh, loved fishing for a while, played sports, but some things kind of happened in my life that led me to hunting and over the past couple of years my passion for it has really evolved um and it's hard i've been thinking about this a lot you know as as you and i uh, talked about getting on a podcast and doing one of these and i've been thinking about it a lot and uh it's definitely ever-changing and ever-growing but hunting to me is a, a whole lot more than being in the outdoors or you know the 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 friends and the relationships there's a lot of good things like those things that come with hunting but for me it's kind of more evolved into the best way I can put it is being as human as possible uh is what really fires up my my love for hunting and what I mean by that is again it's been something I've been thinking about a lot this hunting season in particular but it's this idea that as you know, you know, probably Derek with your clients and just what you see around, uh, you know, we're becoming a lot lazier, we're becoming less active, we're becoming less connected to the world around us and more connected to technology devices and whatnot. And um, I've really been diving into what, what are humans and what have they always been? And one of the things that stands out the strongest to me is this, this concept of being being a hunter, being connected to your food, uh, being connected to this pursuit, which is hunting that has been around as long as humans have been around. Um, it's it's something that I think hunting is something that I think has really been the top priority and the the main driver of of a human's life up until, probably, you know, a couple hundred years ago or so where, you know, I think and from, from the research I've done looking back, um, hunting was a daily task and it was a daily drive. That was something that, that humans, we had to do every single day and we no longer, we no longer have to do it. But what I've found for myself is, is choosing to do it has helped me connect back to that that challenge the the pure challenge the pure adventure of going out learning about the world learning about the the ecosystem around you and ultimately the challenge of pursuing and and taking an animal for for food um so kind of where this comes full circle and we'll get into it I'm sure but um archery strong is just kind of one small path that for me at least and, and for other people I work with ensures that that is something that we can maintain that hunting is is something particularly with a bow and arrow uh, is something that we can maintain and continue to pursue for that really, just this primal human nature of again going out in into the world or going out into the the wild and uh, pursuing an animal and and learning about every facet and uh, an aspect of that pursuit.
0: Yeah, absolutely love that, and I I love the deeper side to the whole conversation that you're getting into, right and really the, I don't want to say the catalyst to the, to the passion, but really the driving force is what it seems to be now of, like you said, being as human as possible, being connected to your food, um, being willing to submit yourself to that challenge and to that adventure. And it really ties into a lot of the ways we personally in our brand talk about fitness, right? We're talking to, to individuals about how to become like the most functional like capable person beyond the four walls of the gym
1: exactly exactly
0: so i'm assuming you took that mindset because you probably were thinking that way about fitness right and then just said this is a perfect blend if i can bring fitness and hunting specifically archery together there's not not too much i have to navigate around like it's a pretty clear consistent message uh, that all ties in pretty well
1: yeah i think that those things go really well hand in hand and i like the word that you use that really sticks out to me is, uh, capable being as, as capable of a person as possible. And, and to me, and I think this definition would vary based on someone's experiences and perceptions, but to me being as capable of possible as possible is looking at not only what we want to do now in the world around us, whether it's, you know, pick up your kid and play with them, or for me, going and helping a farmer bale hay Um, but kind of getting back into the roots of what is it that we've done for the entire history of of our humanity it's it's running places right it's picking things up it's it's carrying food or it's it's carrying um, a family member as you know a nomadic tribe moves around like these are very functional uh, fitness oriented things that we can look back back on that we did more often in history, but still do now. And uh, I think just like you said, that kind of concept of fitness and this idea of of hunting and, and harvesting food and, and being out in uh, nature is very well aligned for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love that that word connected with you because that's something that one of our mantras is to to cultivate communities of caring, confident, capable people. And that, that word capable, I think, is a better representation of what we're trying to achieve with fitness, because I think the word functionality is like, that buzz term is like overused, right? Every CrossFit ran that shit into the ground, and now that's kind of associated with that world. But yeah. cap- capability is something that I think everybody can relate to, and that resonates with everyone. And the fact that you want to be able to go out and do all of the things that you either have a passion to do or that you feel compelled to do. And so I really like that this whole conversation, of capability, I think it's a better way to relay the message of what we're trying to achieve both with your clients and our clients and anyone in this industry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you hit the nail on the head, capable, capable, although it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, I think that, like you said, it resonates in one way or another uh, in, in different areas of life. So I think that's really cool.
0: Awesome. Now you had mentioned you didn't really like dive into the outdoors and, and bow hunting specifically until around the first couple years of college. So yeah. leading into college when you were still in high school, did you know right away that you wanted to pursue exercise science and the whole like, kinesiology realm so to speak or was that something you just thought hell I like fitness I think I can probably just have fun with this
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah the definitely the latter um, I my mom I remember my mom vividly joking I think she was upset I was like a senior in high school and she was upset she might have even been crying and she was saying you know if it if it weren't for me pushing pushing and helping you I don't even think you would go to college because I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, my parents did a lot of wonderful things for me. Uh, but, but one thing I, I wish I had had was more guidance, uh, or not, maybe not more guidance, but more thought as to like careers and what it means to kind of commit to something. When you go for an education, when you go to get a degree. Um, and I don't remember a whole lot of that. So to your point, it kind of led me to pick something that I really liked. Um, that's something that I was interested in. And I remember looking at Slippery Rock University where we where, where we went and was like, yeah, you know, I, I like that. So let's, let's go with that. And it also helped that at that time, I was like, neck deep in uh, competitive CrossFit. So at the time, as you know, life changes, but in that kind of chapter phase of my life, it it made sense. So picked it just because I liked it. And uh, we can talk about a lot of things that happened along the way that I you know, half got lucky with and and half uh, served me well. But that was the start of it was just, hey, this stuff is cool. This stuff is fun.
0: Yeah, I feel like if you were in the anywhere from like 2009 to 2014, like if you were going into exercise science, it was kind of like either you were just into fitness and had no clue what you wanted to do with your life, or you wanted to be a PT student. Like that that was pretty much it. Exactly. Because my parents were very similar. They didn't, they did a ton of stuff to me, supported me all the way. And then when I said exercise science, this is in 2009, like that was pretty new. No one really knew what that meant. And I think they were looking at me like, what in the hell are you going to do with that? And so the yeah. logical answer that kept them sane and safe was, oh, I'm going to go to PT school, right? No. <laughs> and then... And then along the way, as you had mentioned, there's things that happen that steer you in different paths. But uh, as you mentioned, you went to Sibiraki University, just happens to be the same school that I went to. Now, when you got into that program, what was really, if you remember, the first moment that you thought, okay, I can do X with this degree. Like, I think I want to pursue this career.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I I would say that I got kind of lucky in that in my sophomore year, I believe, like I said, I was, I was really deep in competitive CrossFit and I was in my sophomore year for exercise science and I was competing at a a local CrossFit competition and my back was bugging me during the competition. So I went over to a a booth that a, uh, a chiropractor, sports med doc was at, and he was looking at my back and we were talking and one thing led to another, I got connected with him and sophomore year of college, I got hired at a sports, uh, sports injury and sports performance clinic called next level spine and sports. And, uh, I'm so thankful that up for that opportunity, cause I would not be where I am now if it weren't for that. But to, to get to the answer of your question, when I started working there and got, was getting years of experience under my belt as a movement and corrective exercise specialist. Um, I remember talking, or I was talking one day with my boss about this idea of, Hey, like I assess movement, I provide corrective exercises, um, do some strength and conditioning type stuff. I wonder if I could tie this into what I enjoy in archery. Um, so I was working that job started archery strong and for a couple of different reasons, I the the job wasn't aligning with what I wanted for my life. So, um, thank thankfully had that opportunity. The experiences there, and then that kind of propelled me into uh, archery strong.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it's funny that you met that individual at a CrossFit competition, and it happened to be Next Level Sport and Spine because the first CrossFit competition I ever did in Pittsburgh. I had a similar, I was having a shoulder issue, went over to Mm -hmm. the booth, and it was also next level sport and Uh (laughs) sport. And I got to know those guys a little bit. But um, it's interesting how those connections can happen. It can lead to one thing or another. But coming, so going from that position, obviously it probably gave you tons of experience as well as knowledge as it relates to creating the program that you now call Archery Strong. When you started talking to your boss about that and kind of just, I guess, laying out or pitching the idea of combining these two worlds, was mm-hmm. he or she supportive of it or were they kind of thinking, oh shit, I might like lose this guy because they, they're coming up with their own kind of path?
1: Yeah, um, he he was definitely supportive. Uh, one, because he, he cared about me and he was, he, he was a, a thoughtful boss. And then the other side is he has a passion for small businesses. So I think he was just excited to help and to see me do that. Um, And I don't think he was very threatened because I had had some conversations with him by that time expressing that, you know, I, I, I like the nature of the work, but there's just some things involved in this job that, that I don't know is going to lend me to feel like I'm, I'm living a fulfilled life a, a balanced life things like that so he there was kind of some writing on the wall there but he was supportive and um and and really helped me at the start so i'm I'm thankful for that too
0: yeah that's fantastic to hear and i i assumed that was the case because i did my homework on you before we got on here for this podcast and i saw a lot of your older videos you had the next level like sport yeah. and spine shirt on talking about your program and i was like that's a badass boss if he was letting him do all that while he was working there so i'm glad to hear he was supportive
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, kind of being like a a couple of years dumber than I am now, you know, I, I didn't think much of it, you know, that, Hey, this is kind of like a direct clash of what I'm doing, but, um, it all worked out. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It all, all, uh, panned out. But so now let me get into this. So you were into CrossFit heavily. It sounds like, which I was too. I was drinking the Kool-Aid way too much back in the day. (laughs) When did you start to, to transition away from that to the point where you thought, okay, with my brand, with Archery Strong, like I can't be, I most likely can't be posting cons and doing all this yeah. crazy shit, right? When I'm trying to teach people how to be in these, these proper positions and to be more efficient with their musculature and their transmission of force. So when did you start to realize, okay, I need to start to branch off away from that? Because I feel like when everybody is in love with CrossFit and they start to pursue their own path, it's really hard to detach yourself from that brand and that methodology because you loved it for so
1: long. Sure, sure. Yeah, so for me, it was easy may not be the right word, but I'll say it, it was a lot easier than it could have been because that branching off or that kind of getting away from CrossFit, actually, it happens before Archery Strong, and it even happened before I was – like full on into bow hunting Um, and it kind of spurred me into bow hunting. So I'll, I'll, I'll make the story quick, but what had happened is I was, I was, like I said, deep into CrossFit. I was competing doing the CrossFit opens and doing really well in the opens, not, not quite well enough to make regionals, but was doing very well. And I was a contender for a regional team for raw training in um, North Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And uh, I placed first in the open that year in my gym and the regionals team was going to take the best three guys or the three guys that they wanted. Well, I was really young. I was, I think maybe 19 or 20 and the rest, the other three guys that were wanting to be on this team were like, like late twenties, early thirties, even late thirties. And they had a lot of, a lot of experience at regional. So, Long story short is I did not get to go on the t- get to be on the team um, despite doing well. And that didn't bum me out or like crush me out of CrossFit. But what it did do was it made me realize that I had been focusing a, a ton on my physical performance and uh, my, my physical capability. And I had been really neglecting a lot of mental issues, emotional issues. Uh, and was just really kind of came like face to face with a lot of stuff within me that I really needed to to get a hold of or I I was going to be going down a bad path to a bad place so it was it was really a a blessing in disguise it's one of those things like I could look at that and say well you quit because you didn't make the regional team but uh, it was very much so a strong like wow like there's some glaring things that I want to I need to kind of step away from this whole fitness competitive side of thing and I need to I need to work on some stuff and like I'm sure you can relate to in some points in your life and people listening to when there's a hole or a void left from something you used to compete in or something that that you loved you need to fill it and you need to fill it with something good before something bad fills it And I had, I had a bow growing up and shot, shot a bow, you know, all my childhood and hunted all my childhood and and whatnot. But I really wanted to get serious uh, into bow hunting. That was, that was the thing that was drawing me. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just something God put on my heart or what, but I decided, Hey, I have this concept two rower that I bought when I was nuts into CrossFit for 800, 900 bucks. I'm going to sell this thing. And I'm going to use that money to buy a bow. Just smooth transaction, quick switch. So that's what I did. Uh, I bought a bow and I started practicing and I started hunting some small game, and it did not take take long to get absolutely hooked. So kind of the timeline from there is I got into bow hunting. I then went to college, got into exercise science, or was in exercise science. Got this job at the sports injury office. Then, uh, started archery strong handful of years into working at the sports injury office and at that time. And and even more so now my fitness, or I say that I guess my training outline is I shoot most days I then do shoulder work related to archery or upper body work related archery. And then I just do very bare bones, strength and conditioning with, um, a lot of weighted carries your, your hip hinging, uh, your squatting, your upper body presses and pulls, uh, and just, just very simple, primal stuff. So that kind of hopefully gives a, a roundabout answer.
0: No, I, I love that answer. It was, it gave me a lot of like context to this whole conversation, which I'm excited to dive into. And I think yeah. it's obviously we can relate. Cause we're both, we were both in that world of like, all I want to do is compete in CrossFit but I'm sure there are many people listening who are either in that world or they're just addicted to CrossFit because it's very addicting to be in that environment and how all these years can go by and you can become so focused and so like obsessed even with this one thing that you kind of, you kind of lose sight of who you are like as a man or as a woman and you start to put your identity in that thing, right? When you were competing at RAW, you were probably like, I am the CrossFit guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. Every day, you know. Uh each breathe it. Yeah.
0: And so then when that when you start to discover, oh, I've been neglecting my relationships, my like own just like emotions and thoughts and and reactions, and then you decide, okay, I need to to make a change and start shifting away from that. It is really hard because you, you're essentially like getting rid of a piece of your identity if you fell into that realm of placing it all there. And I know all I right. went through a very similar circumstances to what you explained. Like I really didn't know where to turn when I started to shift out of that yeah. because I had become the CrossFit guy. And instead of putting my identity in faith and in my relationships and my family and all of these things that are way more important, at least in my eyes, I was just like cranking out Metcons and EMOMs like it was my job.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And PRs. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. Very well said.
0: When you were competing at raw, this is just a side question. Then we can get back on track here. What year was that, that, uh, you were trying to get on the regional team?
1: Uh, my best year uh, that year I was, I think 2014 or 15.
0: Okay. I'm just trying to piece together because we were in Pittsburgh at the same time, even though we had, we've never met, we never crossed paths, but we have, we have like, I'd say like outer groups of friends that cross over one another. Yeah. And so I was trying to think, cause I've been to Ross several times and I love Amy and Molly and that whole crew. Um, great. Great. but I never, like, I only went there a couple days a week cause I was managing another affiliate. So I was trying to see if we had ever maybe crossed paths and didn't even know it, but
1: that's wild. Yeah.
0: Interesting. So getting back on track here, all of that kind of went down. Mm -hmm. You had this idea to to merge these two worlds. And once you decided to pursue that, did did you take the time to figure out, okay, this is really the mission of Archery Strong, or did that evolve over time? And in either case, what is the mission of Archery Strong nowadays?
1: Sure. So I'll start with that. The mission of Archery Strong is to build very resilient or to build physically resilient archers and, and to allow archers to shoot pain free with a goal of enabling them to enjoy their time at the range shooting tournaments or bow hunting so that that was always that was always the mission Kind of a two headed beast. One side is that pain relief slash injury prevention, we'll say kind of like shoulder health and pain relief. And then the other side is some performance component of just being a stronger, more resilient archer. That was always the, the mission. So the mission really hasn't changed. I would say that my motivation has changed. No, my motivation has evolved because at first I was just like, man, I, I love archery. I love the challenge of it. And I, I want everybody to be able to experience that and continue ex- continuing experiencing that uh, without the risk of pain or, or with less risk of injury. But now as my passion for bow hunting and this idea of, of being as human as possible, as that has evolved, it's just become... Uh, Become a, become a lot deeper.
0: You said the motivation evolved over time. It went yes. from just the passion of loving archery to this yes. deeper side of things. What caused that transition to happen? And really, where are you at now in terms of that motivation, if you had to cram it into a nutshell? Yeah. Um,
1: that's a That's a really good question. And The answer will probably surprise you, but I would say the biggest catalyst to like this deepening of the thought is I'm, I'm afraid uh, partially for myself, but I'm afraid more for my future kids, which I don't have yet that I see where we're going as, as humans and And I'm afraid for the the lifestyles that I think that we are going to start to see and continue to see as far as, and there's so many things under this umbrella, but just seeing how, again, we're becoming so less resilient. You know, we, we can't, we can't stand the idea of being cold, you know, we can't stand the idea of some, you know, being out of breath, uh, or being without our phone or, you know, not having basic skills of, uh, you know, gardening or, um, you know, being able to to, to walk through the woods and, and just do all these things that, again, we've been doing for thousands and millions of years, uh, and and things segwaying so much towards technology and towards a sedentary lifestyle and and probably most of all towards a uh, an unfulfilling life lifestyle where I've chased a lot of things you know I've chased awards and fitness I've chased money I've chased women uh and nothing nothing has ever filled me up personally until I number one got more serious about my faith which that of course fulfills me and and completes me Um, but but bow hunting has has really been the only thing that has engaged me and been fulfilling and rewarding in a way that I can only describe as there's something in my DNA and a lot of people who have experienced bow hunting, there's something in our DNA that when you do that, and not not even kill an animal, but when you go out, And you're pursuing something or and you're you're on this adventure of trying to get close to an animal that was created to created and equipped to avoid you there's something that just fires up like i have i have not felt in anything and i've had a a lot of snatch prs i've had you know successful months of business like you know like i said chased women and, and done all these things that that I think as men, we are, feel we're supposed to do that. Like Those are the things we're supposed to get fired up about and chase. Um, but to, to circle back to your, or to bring it back to your question, um, my motivation for, for archery strong and to, to help archers and to get people engaged in hunting and, and to maintain their ability to shoot archery and to hunt comes down to that is, is I think that, we're at a turning point where um, the, the world is changing really rapidly and it's really changing and moving away from, I think, the things that have fulfilled us for, again, thousands and millions of years. There's, I'll, I'll, I'll end my, my thoughts here in a second and give you a chance to talk, but it, it re- this kind of really resonated with, with me the other night because I was listening to something. And someone was talking about how they had went and visited. One of the, the last hunter gatherer groups in the world called the Hadza, in Africa. And these people, this Hadza group, they are, are hunter gatherers. And they're again, one of the last in the world. And this person asked members from the tribe, what was the best day of your life? And they all said the best day of their life was when they were successful in bringing home the biggest animal they ever had to be able to feed their tribe. And I was just like, man, you okay. So you take someone who doesn't, you take someone who doesn't have all of the things that we have. And that was the most meaningful experience to them that they've ever had to to conquer a challenge and to provide for their loved ones through the form of food, which again is pretty much been the top priority of the last million or two million years of us, that to me like stands out. That that to me that to me stands out really in a really, really strong way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's powerful for sure. And I really like the way you were describing and linking, you know, there's just the deeper side of being in the woods, being an outdoorsman and hunting beyond the fact of just like killing an animal and harvesting that. Because I think oftentimes hunting gets taken into like the wrong perspective or it just has a negative connotation to it in some areas. And I tell people all the time, I grew up hunting and fishing and it was never about going out and killing the animal, right? And I think most hunters would agree. It's about what you just described, connecting with nature, getting back to like really our our instincts and our roots as like what we once were, wa- were hunter gatherers and right. just connecting in a way that we don't normally get to do in our day-to-day lives and society now. And so I think that's really powerful to to hit on and I've definitely seen that in your messaging across all your platforms. So I really appreciate that. And it actually makes me think of something that, uh, you know, Kyle Bish, he kind of linked us up. He was talking to me about shooting his, uh, his recurve bow. And he actually brought it to my bachelor party and we shot it for a little while, but he, uh, I said, why do you hunt with this versus a compound bow? And the he described it essentially in the way you just said, he said, holding that recurve bow and stalking through the woods takes him to a different time. It, to, it it connects him in a way to nature that he has never experienced before. And that's why he'll never likely never hunt with a compound bow again. He just loves that feeling. So I think it's something that a lot of hunters can definitely, definitely resonates with them and they can connect with that, that concept for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll touch on just because I think it's important. And I know this is a little bit off off uh, topic, but like you said, um, hunting is is by no means you know all about killing and i think that hunters have largely done a a poor job and i have done i have it sometimes too of kind of portraying it that way and there are hunters out there you know just like you've got right bad doctors bad cops bad cars hillsman whatever there are bad hunters that are in it for the wrong reason but um like you said i try to share where I can and I try certainly to practice for myself this different idea of by no means is it it all about killing it's about going it's going out reconnecting with what it means to be in the wild and you know feeling the fresh air and watching the animals from a distance and uh you know learning their behaviors and um listening to the the leaves rustle it's just all these things that again we've been around and we've we've enjoyed for so long and and we largely don't do that anymore um I think I hunt I this year I hunted the most I've ever hunted in my life between October and January and I probably went out well I don't know 60 70 different times uh meaning evenings mostly and uh and i only got two deer with my recurve but you better believe that i enjoyed almost every single one of those hunts for different reasons that had nothing to do with killing but the the two successful times that i was able to bring that animal home uh, my wife and i had some meat the other night i shared half of a deer with my my father and uh, his wife. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a wholesome experience that like you said, it's, it's not, not all about the killing for sure.
0: No, absolutely. And I appreciate you touching on that. And I was actually going to ask you, obviously you're, you're, all of your messaging is targeted toward archers and hunters Do you, Mm -hmm. even though that's the case, do you still get a lot of, do you get any backlash ever from folks who obviously disagree with, with hunting or anything like that? And if so, like, how have you found the best way to navigate that? Is it just expressing empathy and, and, you know, letting them know you appreciate where they're coming from and obviously just agreeing to disagree or how have you navigated those situations?
1: Yeah, I, I I do. Uh, I, I do get, you know, some backlash or some, some negative uh, feedback. And I'm learning certainly to treat those with more grace uh, as I become more aware of my interactions and my responses to people. And just, you know, quite honestly, trying to be more Christlike when those things come up because when I get that negative feedback, it's not just like, you know, Oh, they, they don't like the deer that I got it as of describing all these things, these things to you, it really strikes part of, of who I feel I am and who I feel that the vast majority of humans are, whether they know it or not. And, um, it, as, as you I'm sure know with online stuff, uh, it's almost impossible to accomplish anything positive when you're trying to go back and forth with messages, but I do try to respond with empathy and, and, uh, try to educate a little bit or explain a little bit deeper um, as to what it is i'm doing and and why i'm doing it the the interesting thing that uh, people would probably be be, would probably make sense to hear is that archery is like soccer where it's very worldwide it's a very international sport competing in the olympics and um, and and it's very popular in other countries so most of the negative negative feedback I get is from other countries. Um, particularly, I would say like Middle East uh, type, type of area. Um, and a lot of that is similar to here in that most people are just very disconnected to the idea of uh, hunting f- for meat and hunting to obtain meat because uh, you can choose to be a vegan or vegetarian, and if you know somebody does that, I completely understand and, and uh, really have have empathy for for that position. I, I get a lot of it. But if you want to eat meat, there's two choices: either I kill the animal and process it and and harvest it, or somebody else does for me, and then I buy it. And I do that too. Uh, I I buy meat from the grocery store that. Um, uh the the phrase is killing it with your credit card right when i when i buy meat from the store that animal is is just as dead as if i killed it so but i just hired someone else to kill it for me so that i could have it eat that meat um so it's the idea that okay i can do that which i do do that some but i also want to be capable and be self-sufficient uh, and, and, just take ownership of that process and go hunt, uh, for, for my meat. So there's some educate are trying to educate and, and trying to be gentle, certainly. Uh, but, but hunt, as you alluded to earlier, hunting is, uh, becoming, you know, more and more maybe taboo maybe, or, or just, uh, unjustifiable in some people's eyes. So it's Absolutely. Hard. Yeah, I'm sure
0: oh. I can- Can't imagine. I mean, we, with fitness, we don't run into a lot of that, but I'm sure that uh, you get your fair share and it sounds like you're handling it well. You're treating it uh, with as much empathy and compassion and grace as you can, and you're continuing to evolve. So uh, that's good to hear. Now you had mentioned your faith a couple of times. So I just have to ask, do you have a favorite Bible verse, number one? And number two, is there a favorite hunting related verse or no?
1: Yes. Uh, yes to both. Um, I have a favorite verse. It's uh, tattooed on my chest. It's Psalm 73, 26, which is my heart in my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart forever. And I got that. I think I just turned 18. And ironically, that verse I liked it at the time, but when I was telling you about leaving CrossFit for needing to work on some other personal things, uh, that verse just became more and more and more relevant and important to my life. So so that's been cool. So that's, I'd say, my favorite verse, if I had to pick one, Psalm 73, 26. And then my favorite hunting verse uh, is Genesis 9, 3. And that is not word for word, as best my memory serves. Is every living and moving thing shall be food for you?
0: Love it. I, uh, as I was doing my research, I saw that you had Psalm seventy three twenty six tattooed on your chest, so I assumed that was going to be up there, if not in the conversation uh, at number one. And then I really like the Genesis verse as well. I thought maybe you would say Acts ten thirteen, which is like a little more aggressive on the on the hunting side, which is rise, Peter, kill and eat. So a little yeah. li- a little more aggressive, but still a, still a verse related to harvesting animals. Sure. Uh, but no, that's super cool. I have Galatians 2.20 on my calf, which is I've been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me and the life I live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God. And then I also have Exodus 14.14 14 on my ribs, which is to provide some context to it. The Israelites just left Egypt and they're basically sitting at the Red Sea. And just questioning everything that Moses has done, right? Like, Moses, why did you bring us here? What the hell is going on? Like, we're going to die. We're going to become slaves. We're going to starve. And then he obviously parts the Red Sea, and everyone knows that story, or at least most people do. And the verse is, the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent, meaning you're going to go through trials and tribulations. But there's really, there's no sense in questioning the Lord or questioning your circumstances. It's going to work out in his favor like and you're gonna live out his will because that's what he's called you to do so
1: i love it that's that's really neat and and your thought behind it's really neat too
0: yeah well i appreciate that and i'm glad we can relate on that level uh as we're going through this conversation now uh getting back on track with archery strong you've been going now for what two and a half years three years
1: I started in August 2018, so three and a half.
0: Okay, three and a half.
1: Formal formal business. I started it three and a half years ago. If we, the idea, as far as an Instagram page, started about four years ago.
0: Got it. And so with that, I'm sure over time the methodology has evolved in some ways. So what's the current? method if you had to describe it and is there a hierarchy to that method or to like the the progression that you're taking individuals through and if so can you elaborate on that
1: Yeah so to to make it direct and straight to the point there's kind of i guess a three level pyramid if you will uh in my mind and this is also some, one of those things that morphs and changes a little bit but at the very foundation of all of this are your sciences that relate to the human body. So anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, kinesiology, you know, those, those big ones that focus on form and function, form and function first and foremost, that's the foundation. Then on top of that is okay. Now that we're thinking about the anatomy, the form, the function, biomechanics, the physics, all that scientific stuff. Let's look at the demands of archery. Okay. What does the body, more specifically, the shoulder girdle in the upper extremity, because that's the big one we're looking at. The yes, the 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 midsection, the torso, but the shoulder girdle in the upper extremity. What do the, what do those pieces need to be able to do in archery? And we're talking ranges of motion. Uh, we're talking about what movement patterns do does the archer need to be able to execute? What types of loads does an archer undergo when they're shooting a bow? Uh, What type of uh, repetition and fatigue uh, is that archer enduring in their, their form and through that function? So that's the second level is thinking about, okay, in archery, what does that look like in relation to those sciences, so to speak? And then third is, okay, now that we're thinking about the archer and the sciences that are are taking place. The third component is what types of tools and training can we apply that maximize the form and function of the archer under those archery specific demands. Love it.
0: I love the how you're essentially taking the science and the physiology, which is obviously foundational because that's what allows us to generate these adaptations and and cultivate these skills and the capability that we talked about earlier, and then layering in the demands of archery as that middle section. And then finally really implementing the tools and the training that go along with that. So based off those three levels, when we're looking at the demands of the archer, what are some of the most common issues that you see in archers that are popping up because of those demands over the course of time?
1: Sure. So certainly a lot of different issues, uh, come up just with the the complexity of the movement, but some of the most common ones are. We'll start with in the bow shoulder, which is the shoulder or the arm that is up holding the bow, kind of straight out, just for simple purposes of listening. Uh, the rotator cuff tends to undergo a lot of demands in that position of holding the bow and the compression of the bow pulling back or pushing back as you pull. Uh, so the rotator cuff tends to be a weak link there. And in archery, one of the big goals is to get a lot of bone on bone alignment or, or stacking of bones, just like you would in, a, in, a, in an Olympic lift or an overhead position, something like that. Um, but as you know, uh, without musculature and the nervous system firing that musculature to do its job to hold those bones where they need to be you're going to crumble underneath the jerk or you're going to crumble you know at full draw with the bow so uh the the larger musculature tends to handle that pretty well but those deeper muscles particularly those four rotator cuff muscles uh tend to develop either some sensitivity or some tendinopathy type issues uh, or just kind of some general instability so that is a a big one that i see a lot then the other side which archery is nicely broken into two sides because you have the the bow shoulder again the bow arm that's holding out the bow in front then you have the draw shoulder which is pulling the bow back Uh, and if we look at that other side that's a completely different job than the bow shoulder the bow shoulders job is support stabilization it's largely stationary the draw shoulder is very different. It passes through a large range of motion through some different uh, types of movements there. And it passes through that that range of motion under load as you're pulling that bow back. And then you get to full draw and you're still under load there trying to engage the right muscles to make that that shot happen. So when we look at that shoulder, there can be some some range of motion issues there. There, that's... cause problems pain injury for archers Uh, there can just be a lack of knowledge in in how someone is moving and it can be a matter of just changing how their their movement patterns function with height of the arm height of the elbow uh, the right muscles engaging to move that joint to move that shoulder and then we can also see some of the similar issues with the rotator cuff uh, and some of the smaller musculature that is involved in pulling that bow but tends to be a weak link uh, when it comes to repetition of shooting the poundage of that bow. And then the last thing I kind of add to that is I, I alluded to this a bit earlier in the conversation, but in archery there hasn't been a big push or a big development of like sports specific training, just like we see in baseball, golf, soccer, whatever. Um, And I think for a while, for reasons I'm not sure of uh, muscle was seen as bad or being strong was seen as bad in archery, Uh, I I believe, because coaches and people thought that if someone was strong or they had muscle that they wouldn't be getting the uh, correct alignment that they, they should be getting. But what that's led to, I believe, is is archery by a lot of people is just seen as something like, hey, you know, I can go pick up this bow, shoot 100 arrows a day. And, you know, I I just do it Uh, where there's so much repetition. Right. And so much cumulative cumulative load there. And there's there's a lot of different types of demand on the shoulders and the shoulder girdle there that isn't really perceived as something that's hard or requires the the joints the tissues etc to work a lot um probably a a half decent comparison is kind of like the person who kind of the casual runner uh or or maybe a competitive runner who's just like well I, i just run right i just run well we know now that there's a lot that we can do for tendon health for runners and for knee health and for hip strength right all of these different things that are great for a runner outside of running that are going to support you and uplift you in running where just the best way to put it is I'd see just a lot of deconditions, people who have low, low tolerance in their tendons, low, uh, low capacity within their musculature and their, their other tissues to perform that repetitive movement and that repetitive undergo that repetitive load. Uh, And it just, sometimes catches up to people, even in the presence of good form and good mechanics and archery, which whether it's fitness or running or lifting or archery, uh obviously good form and mechanics is one of the top priorities. But you can still have a problem when you have good form and good technique if your uh internal equipment, so to speak, your joints, tissues, tendons, etc., uh aren't equipped to Meet the demands of that activity.
0: Yeah, I think that was a great explanation, and I think you hit the nail right on the head with the fact that a lot of these issues are likely coming from lack of awareness. Because I think about—I used to shoot archery as a kid, and I would go out and shoot. You know, all I was—I was twelve, fourteen years old. I had all day to do this, right? And I would just shoot arrow after arrow after arrow, and I never thought anything of it. I just thought, okay, all I got to do is put this pin where I want the shot to be, squeeze the release, and I'm good. And I never, of course, at that age, you're not thinking about those things, but I would assume a lot of adults carry that through, right, because they've been hunting for decades, and they that's how they treat the bow, right? They pick it up, and they think, okay, all I need to do is draw this back, and hopefully I can hold on at full draw until this deer walks where I need it to go or turn broadside and just hope for the best. But as you were hinting at, there's a lot that goes into it just like any sport and there's a lot of components that can be discussed and improved through training and just knowledge or awareness. So I think it's a really interesting point that you make. And then you kind of transition into the fact that there's a lot of cumulative load and a lot of hunters aren't really considering how much stress this is placing on the body. And it took me back to, I don't know if, uh, Steve Verba was doing the study when you were at slippery rock. But when I was there, I was a participant in his study where he was having people drag a fake deer and it was essentially a 200 pound bag of sand and you had to drag it through a course. And when you did it, you wore a portable metabolic cart. And so it was, it was analyzing your VO two max. And the purpose of this study was essentially to see what are the demands placed on the cardiovascular system while hunting because think about how many men are going into the woods who are deconditioned, as you had mentioned, or and women, I should say, men and women who are potentially deconditioned to the point where dragging a 180 pound deer out of the woods places significant strain on their cardiovascular system. And how many men and women, this gears more towards men because we're more prone to it, but have a heart attack in the woods when they're doing something like that. And so it just made me think of that study and the results that he was able to find.
1: Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, there's two things to add to that. There's, um, which I'm happy to see, there's a a big movement in hunting and particularly Western hunting in in the Western United States of this idea of fitness, you know, of of being more fit to go into the mountains, to climb into the mountains. And um, where I live here in central Pennsylvania, I can, I don't quite have mountains, but you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, a lot of places to venture and journey for miles and miles. And uh, and, and it does require fitness. I, I, the, uh, one of the deer that I took this year, I killed about, oh, if I had to guess, it was a good, it was every bit of like a half, half a mile, like down off a road, down into, um, some fairly deep woods. And I even had a buddy come out and help drag it. Cause I knew it would have taken me a while. Uh, and I've heard of people, I've heard of stories of a good friend of mine who lives in northern PA uh, dragging for a couple of miles. So it's, it's, there's definitely, definitely a, uh, for lack of a better term, a functional fitness component. And then the second thing that I wanted to mention too, is that a big, there's in archery, there's not to separate or segregate them, but in archery, there's certainly uh, your bow hunters, your archery hunters, those that shoot for the purpose of hunting. Uh, and that's more of the side I'm on. And then there's a really big, uh, just competitive archery, uh, component where they're just shooting targets, uh, whether it's the Olympic style shooting or, um, just different types of competitive archery that there's a lot of repetition, a lot of load. And that's, that's a big one because, uh, those archers practice a lot and they shoot a lot. Uh, so your tendon tolerance and your tissue tolerance is definitely tested there.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's something else I was going to ask you quickly is we, uh, you had talked about how there's not a ton of sports specific training surrounding archery. I would assume that's definitely on the, the outdoorsman hunting side of things. Now on, in terms of the competition side and like shooting archery, is there a lot of sports specific training in that realm? Because those are obviously, like you said, shooting a ton of arrows, doing a lot of repetition. I would assume there has to be some level of awareness in that, okay, we need to strengthen and maintain some of these joints, tendon, musculature, et cetera.
1: Yeah. So I'll break that in half. Um, if we're talking about the bow hunter side, there is a, there's a big push in just like general fitness, general strength and conditioning for hiking, for, you know, carrying or packing out an animal out of the woods. There's a lot of, there's a, a big movement in a lot of development and training for that. From what I've seen, there's very, very, very little shoulder specific type stuff, which is what I do. And I don't even know if I mentioned that, but I, I primarily, I'm focusing on the shoulders. I call the, or consider the shoulders and the whole shoulder girdle and back shoulder blades, et cetera, complex to be the powerhouse of archery. So as far as like health and performance and injury prevention for that piece that actually allows you to shoot the bow, on the bow hunting side, there's very little. On the competitive archery side, Uh, They call it target archery on that side. There is, there's a little bit of, of sports specific work that I see out there. And I know that they're, they're using at some different training centers, but the vast majority of that I've seen is, is not comprehensive at all. It, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like back in the day when uh, you wanted to get better at um, like hitting baseballs, you just swing a heavier bat, right? It's kind of like that, where though a lot of the stuff I've seen is like different different types of things with um, drawing, draw band drawing, doing banded drawing, or drawing a bow and holding and doing some protocols there, which is great. But um, I think it's pretty clear to see that doing more of the same thing will help some, but there's just so many things that we can do. Uh, outside of that that doesn't necessarily look like archery uh, but it's addressing all of the components within that shoulder girdle and upper body that you need in archery and that's the, the type of training I'm not seeing a lot uh, of I know that there's a couple couple of guys and a couple of training centers and things like that but I do see some some stuff going on but it's definitely not uh to the level of what you see in other sports uh to give it a brief example uh a really good childhood friend of mine, uh, pitches for the pirates now Pittsburgh pirates. And I was, I was talking to him the other day and he was talking about, man, like they have them on a whole arm care program or nothing to do with throwing, just addressing scap stability, rotator cuff range of motion, all these different things. And in lifting for the upper body, right. All this comprehensive approach for, for a high level pitcher. And, um, certainly I don't see and know everything, but I don't see much of that out there for a tree.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And that that's what I had assumed, but um, I appreciate the explanation there. Cause I think that sheds some light on the differences between the two. And then also what you're, you're seeing on both sides. Now for, for someone listening, if they're an archer and they are currently like, maybe they're listening to this and thinking, Holy shit. Like now that they're starting to reflect and think back to like, I do have some hot shoulders or maybe my elbow's a little jacked up or, I'm just, I'm in pain when I'm, when I'm shooting, aside from obviously they can come and see you or, or complete one of your programs. What's a good place for them just to start to begin this journey of pain-free shooting?
1: Yeah, I would say that the, a couple of the biggest components, the first is to get some coaching. Um, just in archery, there are coaches, uh, either in person, there's online shooting courses to to check and address test technique. Um, there's coaches that people will you know meet and work with, but that that is uh, invaluable to get some guidance and coaching on proper form and technique. That's one that's one area that's huge and important. Another area that's huge and important is an important is making sure that your equipment serves you, serves you in a way that's going to preserve your your shoulders and and keep you healthy and that's things like uh you know being honest about draw weight some people shoot too heavy of a draw weight than they should some people shoot too many arrows too high of arrow volume than again what their tissues and their their joints and structures uh, will will withstand um, some people just shoot bows that don't properly fit them and that can cause issues so checking the equipment side of things to make sure that that serves you well the coaching side of things. And then that last thing that you kind of included in there is uh, learning more about the shoulders, learning more about sh- uh, strength training, strengthening the shoulders, the mobility of the shoulders, whether that's through the information I put out or uh, something else out there. I think that those are three of the big, the, the three-headed monster, so to speak, of working your way towards pain-free injury-resistant shooting.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I, I think it's a really cool um, relationship to what you just described, which is coaching, making sure the equipment's serving you, which is essentially not only like the equipment itself, but making sure you're shooting with like proper technique and then learning about shoulder health. And this almost the exact same things can be said to someone if they're just looking to improve their fitness, right? Look into some coaching. Like make yep. sure that you're moving with proper technique. In other words, like your movement suits you or serves you and then yep. do some research on your own just to get some baseline knowledge about health in general or fitness in general. So I like that, um, that relationship between those two and how, once again, you're able to sort of mesh that.
1: Yeah. Very congruent for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: So now you're three and a half years in, you said, you just kind of explained your whole methodology, what you primarily focus on, which is shoulder girdle health and function and upper back, sort of like you mentioned, the powerhouse of of shooting. Now you've it seems that just from an outsider's perspective, you gained some traction in the business, you found some success. And mm-hmm. at this point, to what or whom would you credit that success and did you ever imagine that this program or this business could be at the point where it's at right now
1: no 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 def- definitely not um i started it kind of like the reason i went to college for exercise science i started it because i thought it was cool and that it would probably be valuable to somebody uh out there and i didn't i didn't do much research but i didn't see anything very similar i loved shooting my bow And I, every single day was assessing movement and providing corrective exercises to fix pain, injury and performance issues. So I thought, huh, why not combine these two things together? I, I still, sometimes I'm just like, man, I can't, I can't believe that this is what it is. Uh, and not that it's, you know, anything grand or magnificent, but, um, I never thought I'd own a business, certainly. I never thought I'd create something like this. I I guess I guess sometimes I'm I'm hard on myself and don't give myself much uh credit or a pat on the back or anything. It's just that mindset if you can always do more, you can always be better. Um but it it is cool and I never thought that it would it would get to this point. Um as far as whom or what I would credit this to certainly the opportunity I got to work at that uh sports injury office was absolutely invaluable. Um Obviously our educations are, are helpful. They lay a lot of foundational knowledge. but without spending four or five years there day in and day out, um, learning learning about how people move differently, learning about how different corrective exercises affect things different ways, learning how people uh, tolerate and, um, and succeed or either fail with certain corrective exercise protocols, and just all those experiences uh, that that was monumental. So uh, that, that I give a lot of credit to, that experience, my old boss. Um my, certainly my parents and my uh my family were very supportive. Um my wife was very supportive. But if I had to say, um, well if I had to wrap that up rather, uh there's definitely some fell, what do they say, fell ass backwards into it a little bit and just worked really hard. Um I I've had some times that were really busy and really hard to keep up with it. And I still get up at four 45 every morning to start programming and stuff. Um, but there's some hard work, a lot of hard work that I've put into it that I, I am proud of and probably should be more proud of. Uh, and I got, I got lucky that I kind of fell into a niche. I really, I really did. I, I will, I am totally transparent with people that I didn't have this like elaborate, like, business model and like research and projection of where I wanted to go and how it was going to like infiltrate different markets. Like none of that. I just thought, man, this is, this is a cool idea. And probably I wasn't very good at, I I don't think what I was doing when I started, but you just grow and you learn and uh, just have that drive to get better.
0: Absolutely. And I, I love how you kind of just fell into it and Usually, the best ideas come through like pursuing your own passion and and falling yeah. into a niche, like you had said. When did you not? And this, I want to provide some context here. Number one, we both know followers don't mean anything in terms of like your business and and all of that and engagement and whatnot. But I'm curious, as you started to grow, did you have did you have like that oh shit moment of wow, I'm on to something? Like you got on you know whether it was like logging on or signing x number of clients and you thought holy crap like this video got fifteen thousand views or something along those lines where you thought wow this is helping people or they're really interested
1: yeah you know part of me feels like i still haven't had that moment i just i don't yeah i don't know it it uh sometimes just it doesn't feel real. I don't know. That's out of all these questions that I feel like I'm ready to dive into and give you a good answer. I don't know that I've had that. So I think I looked at, I think I looked at, uh, my wife maybe a few days ago or a week ago and was like, I was just looking at, you know, Instagram whenever I was like, man, this is crazy that like that, that this is, is something I was able to do. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't have to dance, that's
0: yeah. okay. That's okay. Uh I thought I would ask for sure cuz I know we're we're very similar in terms of our mindset. My wife and I, we both look at our business, right, ballistic performance, and we say the exact same thing. Regardless of how far we've come since we started 2 years ago, we look at each other and say like we can do better. Just like you had hinted at, like we don't really take the time to reflect and like give ourselves the pat on the back. And that's probably why we've both been fortunate enough to pursue something we love and create businesses out of something we love because we have that mentality mm-hmm. of hard work and continue working. Cause you can always evolve and do better. Uh, but yeah. I just thought I would, would ask that question there for you. You had mentioned your, your wife was supportive. Your family was supportive yeah. is your wife. I believe her name's Maddie, right? Yes. Is she as avid of a hunter and archer as you are or no?
1: Not, not one bit. <laughs> Uh, she she does not hunt uh she does not shoot a bow and you know sometimes i've sometimes i'd be like man it'd be cool she she shot a bow or hunted um but on the same token it's neat that we we both have our different things and i i kind of have my my thing and my time to go go shoot or go hunt um but she's very supportive of it she loves loves the meat loves to cook loves loves to have that as, as part of our nutrition. Um, she came from a a family with a hunting background, so that, that's certainly been helpful. Um, but no, it's, and it's, yeah, it's interesting that she, that she's not a hunter, not a, not a, uh, an archer, but she listens to my stories and supports me and, uh, it it works out. Okay.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I, I immediately, my mind immediately went to, Rich Froning and his wife, right? If you were in the CrossFit world forever, so you know, Rich, how he said his wife really doesn't give a shit about CrossFit or anything he does in the competition. And I'm immediately just sitting there thinking maybe it, maybe it helps keep him like grounded and keep him humble. Yeah. Cause it's like, I don't really care that you have a successful archery business. Like I'm glad it supports us, but I don't care what you shoot or how accurate you are <laughs> with your shot. Yeah. Right.
1: Right. Right. That's, That's good. funny. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so Now, I guess really the only question I've left is what's next for Archery Strong? Is there anything coming down the pipeline that you can share or is there any like evolution in the programming that's coming up or really where are you kind of at looking forward with the business? I know you had mentioned you didn't sit down and create this strategy and and project (laughs) into the future, but now that you've kind of reached this point where you've established yourself, are you starting to look at how can I evolve? How can I make this service better? How can I create a better experience?
1: Yeah. So there, it's twofold and it's nothing grand or impressive, but I would say the first and the absolute top priority is just reaching more people with the tools and resources that I have so that those who want them can use them. Um, and then the second part is I'm learning and, and evolving you know, my knowledge and and my ability to provide this service daily, you know, almost hourly, just learning and just gathering more information and and that sort of thing. So certainly, um, I will never stop learning. I I will never reach a point where I have all the answers and know everything. Um, but certainly want to continue and get better. But without a doubt, that first part is just reaching more people because I feel like. The first year probably doing this was a lot of trial and error, figuring out what worked, what didn't, you know, and and getting more specific to archery. Now being, like I said, three and a half years into this, I feel that I'm certainly not, you know, a master or certainly not uh, at the point where I know everything. But I feel very confident that what I am doing now and what I know up to this point uh, is can be very valuable to Archers that want it and need it. So uh, I have kind of the training developed and the training in place that again is always improving and, and whatnot. But a lot of every or a lot of the things I have established now, I'm confident in and I really feel good about. So I just want to help as many people as I can, whether they're target archers, uh, whether they're bow hunters, whether they're from U.S. from other countries, uh, whether individuals. I've worked with high school teams, college teams. Um, it's just about here's the tools. I, I've seen them work. The research shows that they've worked, they work. My clients results have, have shown they work. Uh, some people are going to choose to want to engage in something like this and others won't, and that's okay. But I want it to just get it in front of people.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think that's a great goal too. just continue to reach more people, change more lives through the program. Um, so I think that's an awesome, awesome goal to set and an awesome benchmark to try to, to try to pursue. So I can, uh, appreciate that a hundred percent. Well, Christian, that's really all I've got for you. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and chat. Uh, I think what you're doing with Archery Strong is awesome and just such a cool niche to, to reach out and help people in there. And, uh, yeah, I wish you all the best of luck in and, and the rest of what you've got going on in 2022. I almost said 2021, 2022, and, uh, and achieving those goals that you just described.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate the conversation and the awesome questions. It's like I told you before, I was excited for this conversation and uh, love getting getting into the depth You know, of, di- of these different topics that I know are nowhere meaningful to both of us and hopefully meaningful to people listening. So I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or if you're here with us each and every week, Ash and I just want to take a moment to express our thanks and gratitude. We are so incredibly blessed to have your support and we could not continue to show up week in and week out if it were not for you. If you enjoy what you hear on this channel, please head over to apple podcast leave a five-star rating leave a review in there as well that is how we reach more people and change more lives through the platform lastly if you don't follow us across all of our other social media accounts you can find us on instagram tiktok facebook and youtube our handles are either ballistic.performance or ballistic performance across all of those platforms or you can check us out online at trainballistic.com again We appreciate and love you so much, and we hope you have a fantastic week.